At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, the CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. This is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We're not clinicians or policymakers. We're patients and caregivers, executives and advocates who are fed up with the status quo, and we have a desire to change it. This podcast brings listeners backstage at innovative organizations with innovative individuals across America that are putting patients first by delivering exceptional care to anyone and everyone. We talk a lot in the show about the context of what we do within Freedom Health Works and how we really like to see alternate medical business models really flourish. There seems to be a debate right now over whether individuals can help influence change in our U.S. healthcare system, or if this is going to be employer-led or against my better judgment, uh, or my, I guess, the way I want to see it taking, government-led. Today's guest is working hard to bring us more of the employer side of it and more of the employer-led initiatives. And he's doing it in a very innovative way, and that's why we're very excited to have him on the show. Please welcome Andrew Hedrick, the CEO and founder of Kavira Health. Andrew, welcome to Healthcare Americana. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast, Chris. Now, I mentioned in the introduction that there's kind of two camps out there. Is this going to be patient-led or is this going to be employer-led where we look at healthcare and say, you know, something's got to change. The status quo is not sufficient. It is not sustainable for a myriad number of reasons. And I'm one of those people that hate to complain about the past. I always like to look forward at the solutions. What do you see from where you are and what does that really have to do with Kavira's mission? Yeah, we sell our service to employers who provide this service completely free of charge to employees and their families. Basically, you know, what we're seeing is that employers are struggling to control their healthcare costs. Uh, They're also struggling to provide valuable employee health benefits. And so we're helping employers really provide low-cost, affordable, and really convenient everyday health care. Now, you guys are located in the beautiful Twin Cities, uh, the Minneapolis area or St. Paul area, depending on which side of the river you're on up there. So I don't want any angry, uh, angry mail coming my way. Has that always been home for you? Give us kind of your origin, your background, and, and why you guys started. So I grew up in the Twin Cities metro. In the, I, I'm from the Minneapolis side, uh, although I like the, the St. Paul side just as much. <laughs> um, I went to school out east. I went to Middlebury College in Vermont, where I studied economics and Chinese. I've come back to Minnesota, where I've spent the entirety of my career. I was at Medtronic in their corporate development group. I worked at a local hedge fund. I also worked at, uh, most recently, at Piper Sandler, which is an investment bank where I was advising companies on how to raise capital and how to buy and and sell assets. It was there that I completed 13 healthcare transactions worth $4.3 billion. That gave me a little bit of a look under the hood at 
to find out, you know, what the incentives were in the healthcare space. And part of the, that, the origin story here is that I was able to, to figure out how, you know, one of the ways in which we could actually improve those incentives and provide more convenient and affordable healthcare. Now, from a personal standpoint, I grew up in a big family. I have quadruplet younger siblings, which is four kids that were all born at the exact same time. They're three years younger than me. And so as you can imagine, things were incredibly hectic in our home growing up. And I mean that in the best way possible. It was, re- it was really fun. <laughs> but I can't imagine being my mom. You know, I'm getting close to the age where I'm probably going to have kids soonish. And I can't imagine having five kids <laughs> at the same time. I can't imagine having four at the same time. We make reality TV shows about that now. <laughs> exactly. And so from a really young age, you know, well, well, inevitably, one of the five of us would get sick, basically on a monthly basis. And my mom would pack all five of us into the back of her super cool 1990s green Dodge Caravan. And she would drive us across town to the clinic, where we'd sit in that stuffy, germ-filled waiting room. We'd play with those pretty gross, germ-infested toys. We'd pr- probably cry obnoxiously for the next hour. And my mom would take one of the kids to the appointment and and we would spend 10 minutes with the clinician and get that medication prescribed for us. From there, we'd then drive across town again to the pharmacy where we'd sit in line again and we'd wait to pick up that medication. Now, because there were five kids who were all prone to getting sick, inevitably it was five days later that one of the five of us would get sick again, you know, catch the thing that that first kid got. And we'd, we'd go through the entire process again. Now, to pay for it all, there were copays, insurance hassles, and surprise bills, and it was, it was really expensive. And I, I think in the last two and a half, three decades uh, since I, I experienced all of this, things have actually gotten a lot worse. Healthcare bills, for instance, have gone through the roof. And so it was one thing to deal with all of that 30 years ago. It's another thing to be dealing with that today. Uh, and so the origin story of Kavira Health is really those, it's a product of those two things. It's one, you know, seeing from an intellectual standpoint, how we can improve the incentives and care delivery models, which I, I learned about while I was at Piper. And the second is just that personal experience. How can we make this more enjoyable and, and more affordable and more effective for families? It's a funny story, and, and it kind of reminds me of, of my origin stories. You know, I, I grew up in a doctor's office because the school bus dropped me off there because my parents were physicians. And so I, I'm sitting here laughing. at I totally know the playroom that you're talking about. I think everybody <laughs> does. And, and you know, you mentioned you're, you're almost at that point right now where you're starting to think about your own family. I, I, you're going to revisit that, you know, um, at our, when we get to a, the family stage, it's called daycare, and it's a it's a terrible cycle that always repeats itself. So one's sick, and then the other one gets sick. You know, a couple of days later, and then their friends get it, and then you get it, uh, which is the part they never nobody ever tells you. That's never in any of the books. I'll tell you that right now. So I, I mentioned in my 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 introduction there for this episode that there's a lot of thinking out there in I'm going to say our industry. I'm going to kind of loop us in there together from a transparent pricing, trying to provide really great customer experience in healthcare, right? It, it, it can't exist. Um, why did you go out and go the employer route versus trying to go after individuals? Good question. There are so many ways that I think healthcare could change. As you mentioned, there's the regulatory perspective, there's individuals, there's changing the health system, there's going after employers. There's so many ways that you can come about it. 
I think every single one of those ways can be improved. Part of the reason we went af- after employers, well, I'll, I'll actually back up a little bit. Two years ago, when we launched the service, we did try to go sell the service directly to consumers. And we didn't get much uptake. And I think the reason is, is that most people tend to purchase their healthcare through their employer. You know, their employer offers them three health insurance options at the beginning of every year. You'd pick one. Anytime something comes up, you call the phone number on the back of the health insurance card, and, and that's where you go. I think that might be starting to shift as costs continue to rise and people are left fending for themselves and trying to figure out how do I take care of myself? How do I find a more cost-effective option? So that might be changing direction a little bit, but from the way that we were trying to orient the business, we did try and go after consumers and it was ultimately, we found that employers were really the ones that from our business model were the ones that were, were steering the ship and determining what the consumers were going to use. We're talking with Andrew Hedrick, the CEO and founder of Kavira Health. Andrew, along that same vein of his employers, and, and this is a question that's always very, very fresh in people's minds, whether you're a concierge, whether you're, you're DPC, whether you're telehealth-only practice, anything in the more cash-based, I want to say alternative model from what we're used to, hopefully becomes the mainstream model, but alternate model right now, in a lot of people say, I hear what you're saying, Andrew, but it's so hard to walk into a business and have that conversation about, hey, you really want to provide a benefit that is tangible, that your people will appreciate, or do you just want to throw another insurance plan at them? And a lot of owners and a lot of C-suite, their eyes kind of gloss over and say, this is not a good conversation. I don't want to have this conversation. I have it for one hour, once a year, and I get a ton of increases in my costs but then I don't have to worry about it again until the next year. So what are some uh, some tricks of the trade uh, for the audience out there who says, you know, I want to get some small businesses. I want to get some alternate benefit plans going and incorporate what I'm doing. Great question. Definitely something that we've seen. We continue to see. I think we'll probably forever we're, we're going to see that. Benefits, unfortunately, for both employers and employees are feeling less like benefits these days. They're feeling more like a cost sink. And I think, you know, if you look at the point of benefits, the goal is to attract and retain talent. But the thing is, is that basically every company out there is providing health insurance in some form to their employees. And so it's no longer, health insurance is no longer a way to attract and retain talent. And so there are a few ways that we've been able to consistently get in front of employers. One way, and this is the main method that we get in front of employers, is we're actually pitching our service to employee benefits brokers. Employee benefits brokers they play a really often overlooked but really important role in the healthcare system because they know what the companies or what the employees at the company need. They know what services are available and that they are able to put us in front of the the companies that are in need of our services. So we've done a, a really good job of building up those broker relationships over the last year and that's really starting to pay dividends for us. The brokers are putting us in front of a huge number of employers on a weekly basis. That, that Andrew, just pop in here. That's really refreshing to hear because there's a lot of times where there's some benefits advisors or brokers out there that have this very old school mentality of, well, I'm not going to introduce something that actually saves my people money because I only get paid when I sell more insurance. There is a growing number of people who have the opposite mindset that says, I couldn't possibly go back out to another client and tell them that they have a 15 or even, God, I've heard even like upward of 30, 40% increases 
happening over the past couple of years. They're like, I just can't do it. I can't live with myself anymore. And so it's kind of this ethical cliff that, that some people pop off of. And so I'm very happy to hear that the broker community is continuing to grow and wake up and have this new mindset that I actually want to take care of my clients. Yeah. And, and I think two points there, just to follow up on, on what you're saying uh, one, we do, we definitely see what you're talking about. You know, I, I think our broker partners follow the 80-20 rule where 20% of the brokers, they get it. They're looking to lower their clients' healthcare expenses. They see this as a way to provide more convenient and more affordable care to a huge number of Americans. And they're putting us in front of clients on a weekly basis. There's also the 80% of brokers that are more old school, like you're talking about, that don't necessarily care. And that's okay. I think, you know, I think we're, we're going to see this shift regardless of whether they decide to make the, the shift themselves or not. The other thing to mention here is we do have a, a little bit more of a unique model where we are providing care via home visits. And I think that that's a, a way that just by being a broker and pitching to the employers, hey, I have this benefit where a nurse practitioner is going to come to your employees' homes and it's free for your employees. That's a pretty attractive and a, a little bit easier of a sell. You got to give obviously a lot of value there. Um, no, I get it, and I think it's a lot of a lot of the conversations fall down because they're saying, "Well, I'm just it's just cost savings," and not providing a higher elevated level of care. Yeah, I, I keep going back to I'm like I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because we have had brokers step in and absolutely spike deals that. Patients have belong to like the C-suite belongs to some of our client practices and say, hey, can we provide this for my business? And we say, yeah, absolutely. And then the broker comes in and just tanks the deal and snakes the deal. So I, I don't know if that's just more because Indianapolis is a relatively conservative area. They don't like a lot of change, especially from a business standpoint. But uh, like I said, I'm very happy to hear just for the industry in general that there are a lot of brokers out there. And again, if you're a broker who's doing this, there's great organizations. I probably know you. Not talking about you. I'm talking about the other guys, the bad guys. <laughs> I always feel like I got to put some CYA out there, you know, or else I'm going to get some angry, angry mail. And I know who exactly who that's going to be coming from, too. That's the thing. Um, let's talk uh, a little bit about, you know, being a young company. COVID is still a very much reality out there. What did that do? How did that impact your business through economic shutdowns, through health scares, through people? kind of saying, oh my gosh, what do I, what do I do? So one of the things that, that COVID has really done is it sped up a lot of the trends in the industry. One of those trends is society-wide, basically everything is moving to on-demand and delivered. You look at Ubers will come to your home and pick you up. You can get your groceries delivered. You can get your takeout delivered. You can watch movies on-demand in your home through Netflix or Hulu or Disney+. Plus. I think COVID has sped all that up as people have left the movie theater and decided to stay home and watch movies. It, it has, you know, sped up as, as people are trying to avoid the grocery store and order their groceries online. Healthcare, it seems, always lags. However, COVID has been a huge impetus for driving that on-demand and delivered shift for healthcare as well. We've seen huge increases in the utilization of telehealth. We've also started to see a return of the house visit, and, and that's primarily happened on the coasts. There are big companies like Dispatch Health and Heal that are providing primary and urgent care via, via home visits. Um, but uh, we're, we're helping to lead that shift in the Minneapolis area. 
and, and that is, I think COVID has done a really, has really helped, you know, COVID in no way has, has been a good thing for society, but it has really helped us as a business to ride that on-demand and, and delivered shift. I think anybody in, again, our, I lose that, use that term, kind of looping in there, so no offense, uh, uh, mentor, but I think a lot of people have the same mentality that is actually really good because it opened up a lot of people's eyes to the fact that, again, I keep going back to this, the, the way that we purchased healthcare services, it was really asinine. I mean, there's really no way to really uh, be polite about that. It was, it was, it was stupid uh, to walk in and expect somebody else to foot the bill and say, hey, give me whatever this card gets. Again, I don't want to focus on the negative part of it. Uh, you did mention utilization. Um, that's always a funny word, I find, because employers think that, oh, I don't want to pay for something if people aren't using it. But your model is flipping traditional benefits on a head, once again, in a different way that I always like to point attention to from the employer standpoint, because you know we hear a lot of noise, especially a couple of years ago, not as much anymore, about near-site, on-site clinics from the employer aspects. And you offer something completely different to the same type of customer. So would you consider that to be competition, that near-site, on-site clinic model? Yes, I do. Uh, I would say that the way that that we look at it, (laughs) and I obviously have a bias towards our model, but I think that we are effectively the next generation of near-site, on-site clinics. Uh, a, A few ways that that we, uh, you know, offer an advantage over an on-site clinic is there is no upfront investment, so you don't have to spend a million dollars to to put up, uh, stand up this on-site clinic. Uh, you can turn it on and turn it off whenever you want. It's just a per employee per month fee. Our service covers employees and their entire family, which on-site clinics, you know, they're often limited to employees, uh, whether that is is true by the letter of law, the law, or if it is more just in practice, you know, children aren't going to come to the office to seek care. On top of that, it, it's going to be more convenient. We're, we're sending providers to the home. It's, it's a little bit more of a true benefit, I think, to have a, a nurse practitioner providing really, you know, on-demand responsive care in your living room than it is to have to go into the office and head down the hall to an on-site clinic. You've had experience of that with, with your siblings. Exactly. <laughs> and everybody's been there. Yeah, everybody's been there. It's like, I'm just here for a checkup. I'm, I'm sitting next to a bunch of people who are hacking and coughing. And this, is, <laughs> this is not a very healing environment. And I think that's what kind of gets down to the bottom line of it is that you tra- start treating patients like people again and going to the homes and making it convenient. You get a good response out of people. They're going to be more compliant. You know, one thing that really struck me when researching this episode and in the notes is, you know, you put in here that you see your average patient 35 times per year. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that that's a mind-blowing number. 35. We usually see about 20, low 20s, a mix of in-office, which is like three visits in office, and then, you know, 15 to 17 text, virtual, um, that kind of stuff. So I, I love the high-touch part of that. We're always, we're always pushing our clients is, you know, if you haven't heard from somebody in a while, go talk to them, see how they're doing, because there's so many things at play here. When you talk to a potential customer, and the reason why I brought up nearsight onsite clinics other than a competition was, you know, so many times they look at that and say, well, if people aren't going to be using it, they look at utilization. How many people are walking in the clinic? If people aren't using it, I'm going to stop paying for it. And my point is always, well, the fact that people aren't using the clinic is probably a good thing because they're staying healthier. They're at home. They're at their, their desk, wherever that is, home office or at, at your actual place of business. 
we can make Carrot more convenient. And I think you guys are doing that. So I, I think Kavira is right there doing that, which is fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Part of what I really like about our service is what I say is we're removing the friction associated with seeking care and providing really convenient and affordable care. Uh, how do we remove the friction? Well, again, uh, you know, you you access our service through, you know, you can call us, text us. There, You have an app on your phone or on your computer. It's really easy to get a hold of us. And you can message us back and forth. So you're sitting in a meeting or you just don't want to hop on a video chat or you don't want someone to come up to your home, or, or maybe it's something really small, like you just need to refill, refill a prescription, it's really easy to just send us a message. Now, if and when in-person care is needed, that's when we send the provider to the home, and, and that could not be more convenient, especially if you touched on it. If you're feeling sick, you're like stay at home, and we'll come take care of you in your living room. And I think by providing this type of service, by removing that fee-for-service payment model by removing the copays, the insurance hassles, the surprise bills, by removing the trip to the clinic, that that stuffy germ-filled waiting room, the late appointments, and providing that really responsive care for free, you are going to see higher utilization. And and you're going to be treating people often, I mean, not always, we, we treat sick people too, but oftentimes we're going to be seeing them for their annual physicals now, which they haven't done in the last decade because it's just so easy. And so, yes, I, I totally agree. Just by removing the friction associated with seeking care, we're able to drive up that utilization of preventive care and provide a better care experience. Give us a quick insight on how what you just said more closely aligns with the incentives for your clients and for their employees. Mm-hmm. Well, in the traditional care system, we have the fee-for-service model. It makes a lot of sense on the surface, right? You get sick. You go seek care, and then you pay for the care. You get sick again, you seek care again, you pay for the care again. Unfortunately, because you're paying every time you have to go to the clinic, and oftentimes you don't even know how much you're going to be paying, you're going to start avoiding care, which is a huge problem. You know, those small problems that you're avoiding are actually going to turn into big problems down the road. One analogy I like to make is that we know that going to the gym is really good for you. And we should all be going to the gym more often, myself included. The problem is, is that if we were to charge you $10 every time you went to the gym, or $20, or $50, I'm guessing you'd start to go to the gym less often, and you'd see a smaller benefit from going to the gym because you're not going very often. And that's exactly what we're doing in the primary care setting. We know that primary care is really good for you. Primary care is the only discipline in medicine where more care actually leads to better health outcomes, longer life expectancy, all while ultimately lowering your healthcare expenses. But we're discouraging people from going, and and that's a big issue. It's taking down barriers. We see that every day, right? No, I don't want to copay because that is a barrier. That's a mental barrier. It's cash barrier. Uh, We don't want massive waiting rooms because that's a barrier like we talked about right there. There's so many issues with how care is delivered in our, in our traditional system that it kind of shocks me some days. It, you know, when we go to work or the office and we're thinking, are we the only people who see this? Like, why, <laughs> why isn't everybody doing this? And I think that's when, you know, I might look back on this uh, discussion in a couple of years and be like, wow, that's, that was way off base there. But it's like, why aren't there more people doing this? I know it's growing like crazy, but it's like, and we hear this a lot. And let me know if you hear this when you talk to somebody, but they say, Chris, that sounds too good to be true. What's the catch? Yeah. 
we hear that all the time. But we especially hear this, you know, so uh, I guess to back up a little bit, one of the big hurdles that we've had in getting companies signed up is healthcare is a high trust industry. And how do you build up the trust? Well, one of the strongest foundations for trust is simply being around for a long time. You look at the, the most trusted, and I put that in quotes, trusted healthcare institutions out there, they've all been around for over 100 years. Now, we're a two-year-old company, so how do we go about building up that trust? That That's one of the hurdles that we have had to overcome. Another hurdle that we've had to overcome is that this is a paradigm shift, both in the delivery model, telehealth plus home visits, also in the payment model, subscription-based as opposed to fee-for-service. And so simply convincing an employer or an employee that this works can weirdly be a barrier to getting people signed up with the service. One of my favorite parts, though, is once we do, you know, every employer that we've had that has taken that leap of faith has been really thankful that they have. They, they really do. You know, it, it is as good as it sounds. You really can provide free telehealth and free home visits for your employees and their families. And so once we get an employer signed up, uh, it is really fun to start to educate the employees and say, hey, look, all you have to do is message us whenever you have anything come up. Uh, all you have to do is, is request a video chat and, you know, we'll hop on the, the phone with you right away. Uh, if in-person care is needed, all you have to do is, is ask us to come to the home and we're going to, you know, we're going to send a provider to your home. And and the look on people's faces is is pretty uh, is pretty incredible because people are, are so used to these high bills. They're so used to uh, this expensive, inconvenient care that when they, they hear that they can have a free home visit, they're often really amazed. <laughs> I bet you just blow people's minds left and right. Andrew, a uh, quick parting question. When you're granted king access, emperor for a day over the U.S., and you say, I'm going to focus on healthcare, I want to wave my magic wand, boom, how do you fix it? In one day, what's your perfect healthcare system look like? <laughs> I love this question. Um, yes, I'm I'm biased here, <laughs> but I think that getting people to stay healthy is more important than getting people reactive sick care once they are no longer healthy. So, how do we get people more preventive care? I think is the, is the big problem that we should be trying to solve. And and so I think you know more DPC, more primary care, more preventive care making the experience more enjoyable is is really ultimately what we should be doing. You know, basically if, if I were to boil it down, it's how do we reinvigorate that provider patient relationship that so many people have lost over the last couple of decades. Andrew Hedrick, CEO, founder, Kavira Health, thanks so much for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Thanks for having me, Chris. That's gonna do it for this episode. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and check us out on YouTube. Check us out as well at our website at healthcareamericana.com. Check previous episodes, subscribe to our mailing list, and visit our fantastic online store. Pick up a Healthcare Americana t-shirt. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom Health Works and Freedom Doc. 
If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.